Is miscarriage the same as an abortion? Welcome to Answers News, Wednesday, March 8th, 2023. Hello, I'm Avery Foley, and I'm here with... Bro oh, do I have my microphone off? Oh, there we go. Hi, sorry about that. I am Avery Foley, <laughs> and I'm here with Brian Osborne and Rob Webb. Today we'll be discussing an influencer who received a false accusation of abortion in addition to some other news stories. So we will start with that first one here. My baby's heart had stopped. Jessa Duggar fires back after leftists say her miscarriage was an abortion. So when I saw this article, it made me very angry, <laughs> to say the least. Um, so many people know Jessa Duggar from the show 19 Kids and Counting that was on TLC for a while. She's one of the older girls. And around Christmas, she lost their fifth baby in a miscarriage and shared a video about it just a few days ago, announcing um, and just sharing all the, the pain and the struggle their family's gone through because that really emotional video, she was crying in parts of it, obviously. Really, really sad video. And uh, the comment section is full of all these women who are expressing their concern and, and their sympathy and sharing their stories of loss. But then a few days later, some abortion activists got a hold of her story and twisted around with headlines that said things like, um, uh, Jessa Duggar had an abortion even if she won't say the word. Mm. Um, Jessa Duggar revealed she had a life-saving abortion in an emotional new video. Um, things like that, because after she had the miscarriage, Jessa had a DNC, which is a very common procedure after you have a miscarriage, but a DNC is also used as an abortion procedure. So these women are like, oh, she had a DNC. Well, that means she had an abortion. And they took off, wrote these horrible headlines, these horrible stories, accusing her, and she's a very pro-life person. Her family is well known for being pro-life as having had an abortion. Just a really, really vile, disgusting story. And she made the comment, too, and actually commenting back against those mm -hmm. who commented against her. Defending herself. Right, that women have DNCs for many reasons, not all of which involve killing a live human being. She makes the point, my baby's heart had stopped beating three weeks before I had the DNC. And so this was a necessary medical procedure. The baby was, uh, had already passed away, mm -hmm. right? And so she's making that clear, just clarification. She says there's a world of difference between someone dying and someone being killed. And to equate one to the other and to a mother grieving the loss of her child is severely distasteful. And she was very gracious with her yeah. words, yeah. right? Because yeah. I'm sure she felt a lot more than that. And she makes this final comment. I like this. She said there's a world of difference between a mortician and a murderer, and that's what some of these pro-abortionists are really missing here. Mm -hmm. And it goes on to say, even the child understands the difference between the two. Even my five-year-old and my three-year-old, they mm -hmm. know that difference. And really, I think this article, it really hit me hard because my wife and I, we just experienced a miscarriage as well just a few weeks ago, as well as I'm sure many, many other people that, that are out there that have also maybe gone through this. Um, this is a very hard thing to go through. It's a very emotional mm -hmm. uh, process to go through when you do lose a child like this through miscarriage. And it's, it just reminds me that because we have God's word, we actually have that standard for why there's death, why there's suffering, why there's pain mm -hmm. in this world here. If you look at it on the flip side, though, from the secular worldview, they really don't have that meaning. They don't have that purpose in life, right? So them not being able to understand the difference between murder and actual death by natural causes, which yeah. makes sense in their worldview, but in the, in, in the biblical worldview, God's, God's creation was perfect initially. It was a perfect creation, but it was because of man's sin. That's why we have death and suffering in this world right now. 
Yeah, at the same time, all of us have a conscience, right? We all have mm -hmm. knowledge of right and wrong. God's law is written on all of our hearts. That's how we know it's wrong to lie. We, how we know it's wrong to murder. And every single person will stand before a holy and just God. They're going to have to give an account for their life, including all of these abortion mm -hmm. activists that are going after this mother. So again, again, it just reminds us that we're all made in God's image. Every single life is precious mm -hmm. and valuable because they're made in God's image because we stand on biblical authority. When I was reading through this article, I was thinking about how the, the pro-abortion activists always want to paint themselves as the ones who are pro-women. They're the ones who have compassion on women. They're the ones who care about women, and the pro-life people don't care. Okay, so if you really care about women, you're going to take a woman's grief and heartbreak and the, the absolute devastation her family has experienced by the loss of their child. And you're going to turn that around and twist it around into something that is completely untrue and spread that story everywhere just to score some cheap political points. That's being pro-women. That's being compassionate. That's being kind and caring. Absolutely not, because they're not about women. They're about an ideology and pushing and furthering the access to be able to kill children whenever someone wants. It's, it's really horrifying, but it really shows what Jesus spoke about in the Gospels when he was talking to the Pharisees, and he said, you are like your father the devil, who was a liar and a murderer from the beginning. And that's, mm -hmm. just, that's just what the truth is. Um, this is about, when you talk about abortion, you're talking about murder, and so it shouldn't be surprising that the people who are pro that are also going to be pro lying and twisting and deception, because... Why not, right? Like, well, when I saw the those, foundation to stand on. You're right. And when I saw those comments from all those people and how vitriolic they really were, it reminded mm -hmm. me of 2 Peter 3, verses 1 through 4. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Yeah. And you see all those things displayed in our culture. And what this really reminds us is not simply of how bad things can get when you abandon God and his word. We do see that. But it reminds us of the desperate need of the gospel of yeah. Jesus Christ for all these people, which will transform them from the inside out. Because mm -hmm. such were us before Christ saved Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Yeah, First Corinthians chapter 6, as such were some of you. And that's one of the things as Christians we can look forward to is a new heavens and new earth. Or there will be no more pain. There will be no more miscarriages. Mm -hmm. There will be no more death or suffering. Amen. We look forward to that day because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Christ yeah. on the cross. Another thing I wanted to note before we move on from this one is that this is actually, this idea of equating miscarriage and abortion is actually a very common tactic that those abortion activists will use. For example, when bills are presented that would outlaw abortion or make abortion illegal, they'll be like, but what about the women who have a miscarriage? They won't be able to get the care that they need. They won't be able to get DNCs. That's a lie. No one has ever, ever, ever said that a woman who has a miscarriage should not be able to get care. Like there's a like like Jess has said, there's a world of difference, and everyone knows the difference mm -hmm. between natural death and killing someone. Like, so don't believe those lies. If you see those lies, please, if you see them on social media, take the time to correct them. Take the time to point out that this is talking about two completely different things, and no one is wanting to stand in the way of women getting care after they have a miscarriage. Right. No one. And by the way, you can go to our website, answersingenesis.org, to find all sorts of answers against those popular pro-abortion arguments. Yeah. That you could actually just click the link, share the link, and answer it that way. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. All right, our next one here, also talking about babies. Uh, this one comes from LifeSite <laughs> News. Vile. Paris Hilton says she has frozen 20 boys via IVF as she waits for a girl. So according to this article, Paris Hilton, the celebrity, and her husband, during the COVID lockdowns, decided they wanted to start a family um, via IVF using a surrogate. And they, they did seven cycles of IVF and got 20 embryos, all of which are boys. And so they have one baby who was just born, one baby boy born a few weeks ago, and they would like to have a girl. So they're doing, an, they did another round, and she's just waiting to find out whether one of those embryos is going to be a girl. And there you just see, like, 
the eugenics behind, sadly, a lot of what goes into IVF sometimes of she just wants a girl, so she's just gonna keep producing living babies and then freezing them and probably discarding them eventually simply because they're not the right sex. They didn't, they're, they're mm. which now she's showing that sex is determined at fertilization, mm. not sometime yeah. down the road when the person right. decides, but um, just really horrifying to think of 20 children languishing in a freezer just because their mother wants a girl instead. And it's important to understand, really define your terms in this. So when does life begin? Well, it mm -hmm. begins at the beginning at fertilization. When sperm eggs egg, you have a brand new combination of genetic information that's never been seen before, never to be seen mm -hmm. again. The Bible says that God formed us in our mother's womb. Jeremiah 1.5, God knew us before he formed us. We're not in the mind of God from eternity past. And so life begins at fertilization. Now, once you establish that, then you have some a good foundation to answer all sorts of issues involving yeah. these sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just so that we're clear here, um, in terms of IVF, we're not condemning the, proce the, the process here, but we are condemning the sinful practice of creating all of these children to then be discarded. And yeah. I, I, I want you guys to realize that every time we see that word embryo, I want you to think of child, right? Mm -hmm. Embryo is a child. So really, if mm -hmm. we go back to the biblical worldview, that standard, Genesis 127, that we're all made in the image of God. So we have 20 little image bearers of God here that are Paris's children, essentially just left to die, to just be frozen in time. And as Christians, you know, we, we, we focus a lot on battling abortion, talking about abortion, but we should be talking about this as well, just as much. Like if we really do believe yeah. that life begins at fertilization, when the mother's DNA, the father's DNA, they combine to create a new unique human being where there will be no new information produced after that point. If we truly believe that, right. then we need to be speaking about this as well. Ephesians 5.11 says this, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. And I think that should be a reminder for all of God's people today. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. The next one here from New Scientists. Should you have children? The true costs and benefits of parenthood. This article. Yeah. This was a doozy. This. Wow. <laughs> can, this can I just one. say, I'm so sad I had to read this really yeah. thick article. It was like oh, 11 pages long. It was, long, so, and it was, and it was oh, so sad and arbitrary. Oh. So yeah. this woman points out that um, in the UK, where she's from, 38% of people aged 25 to 34 say they don't know if they want children or they don't want kids now, but they might someday. So she's wondering, she's married, she's over 30 now. She's like, do I wanna have kids? I don't know, so I'm gonna look at the cold, hard facts. So then she goes and starts looking at studies about the costs and benefits of having children, whether or not she should have them. So what were some of those costs and benefits she brought up? Well, it's interesting. Like the first thing she looked at was the impact of kids on the environment. On climate course, change. Climate course. change. Always climate change. Or, of course. I feel right. like every week we're talking about the climate change, climate change, aliens, I don't know, evolution. It's a, it's a constant <laughs> narrative because there's definitely probably an agenda being pushed behind it. Mm -hmm. But yeah. so you, basically she's looking at all these things you can do to reduce your carbon footprint and then what things you do that actually have a bigger carbon footprint, right? And so basically she goes through multiple things like owning a car, not owning a car, not flying on planes, reducing your carbon footprint. And one of the things, one of the biggest things you can do to actually increase your carbon footprint is by having a kid. And so that adds a whole lot more carbon to the equation, which means, according to her thinking, which contributes to climate change, therefore you're contributing to the biggest problem our world's ever seen based on that narrative. That religion, really. 
yeah, yeah. climate change really is religion. If you guys mm -hmm. want to learn more about that, jump onto our website, answersingenesis.org, look up climate change. You can see why it's a very religious system mm -hmm. is what it is. Yeah. Essentially, she, she just kind of goes through. She has all these arbitrary points. Number one, climate change. Uh, mm -hmm. Number two, she also talks about the happiness, the meaning, the purpose in your <laughs> life. You know, if you have kids, um, what about, you know, having enough money? Are they going to be financial burdens? Something that the culture says all the time. By the way, can I point out, you just wrote another article on this <laughs> article. Here's a whole page of notes <laughs> underneath the article. This is great. I, awesome. I have a lot of comments on this one. <laughs> um, number three, the relationship with your spouse. You know, she, she's talking about, are you going to have enough time to enjoy each other if you have kids? Number four, um, are you going to have uh, good enough physical health? Is your fitness? What about your mental health? And the whole the so-called mm -hmm. baby brain, and which I yeah. thought was hilarious because we, my, you know, my wife, we've we've had uh, we've had three children, and I can tell you that baby brain thing is really is an accurate. And then number five, you know, talk about the possible regret. Are you going to be sacrificing your work career because of having children or, you mm -hmm. know, maybe you're having regret, regret because you didn't have enough abortion access, that's what she's saying. So I'll basically, kind of this, sum up this entire 11-page long article. At the very end, she can't find any conclusive answers really yeah. to her question. But the question is why, right? Well, it's because yeah. she has the wrong starting point. Mm -hmm. when, we, when you reject God, you have no absolute authority, then definitions become arbitrary. You can determine what's right and wrong in your own eyes. Judges 20, 21, 25, mm -hmm. when there was no king in Israel, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And really, I mean, just, just simply put, what does the Bible say about children? Psalm 127 here, that children are blessings from God. Mm -hmm. They're like arrows in the hands of a warrior. So I, yeah. I tell fathers all the time, you know, what warrior doesn't want to go to battle with more arrows in his quiver? I mean, they're blessings from God. That's very contrary to what the culture says. The culture yeah. says that they're a financial burden, um, that they're, that they you have to They come with have, a happiness penalty. Yeah, penalties and all that. But, and, but at the same time, of course, God doesn't promise that being a parent is going to be easy. It's going to be challenging. Yeah, no. Very challenging. <laughs> How is that four. distributed? How do you distribute a happiness um, penalty? Right? right? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you did this, therefore the penalty is minus two from your happiness. Like, what does that even, <laughs> how yeah. do you define that? What does that yeah. look like? I've got oh, three yeah. kids. Avery's got four, so obviously I've we have got a two. lot of happiness. So, uh, <laughs> I'm a lot happier, obviously, than both of you. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm that's what it said. It said kids. one or two kids was your perfect. Once you get beyond that, there, it doesn't or, increase yeah. your happiness. But, but again, I mean, the Bible doesn't promise <laughs> us that it's going to be an easy thing to parent yeah. kids, right? It's going to be very challenging, but it is very rewarding. And mm -hmm. one of the things the Bible says is that Malachi chapter 2, that we are to produce godly offspring as husbands and wives. That is our duty. And of course, we live in a fallen world, right? So not every couple can be able to produce children, but that, that doesn't negate the creative right. purpose in the first yeah. place, that we are to produce godly offspring. And the only mm -hmm. way we can do that is we continue to raise our children in the ways of the Lord, mm -hmm. pointing them back to the foundation. And also it gets back to, like, what is your purpose and what is your motive behind having right, children yeah. is it all about you which this author for this her it was all about her her happiness her whatever is it about you or is it about god his kingdom and his glory mm -hmm. like where's your focus on this yeah. and, and how do you define what happiness is and i love this one part where she's talking about happiness and it says this in the article people who are parents often say that having children is the best thing they've ever done in their life and yet many of them seem constantly stressed and tired I'm tired. Well, if you're a parent, like, you know, <laughs> yes, you can't be constantly ones. stressed and tired. doesn't mean it's not good. doesn't mean it doesn't increase yeah. your happiness over time. Sometimes the best things in life are hard, mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. and for good reason. And so, yeah. this, it, again, like you were saying, the definitions really are arbitrary, and they're centered on mm -hmm. self and not yeah. God. Yeah, yeah. what well, does that worldview. definition of happiness really mm -hmm. mean? Yeah, and, and if, you're, if, if you really are all about you and your kids contributing to your happiness and all of that, like we see in this article, well, then kids aren't going to contribute to your happiness. 
happiness because they really highlight the selfishness in your own heart. Like uh, many parents have said, kids are the most sanctifying tool that God gives you outside of maybe your marriage, yeah, the right? Fast like, track to sanctification. Oh, oh yeah, you learn a lot about who you really are once you yeah. have children, and yeah. and you realize maybe you're not quite as holy as you thought you were. Um, so if you're willing <laughs> yeah. to be sanctified, children are I've such told you that amazing. So many times. Oh, thanks. Yeah. thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, if you're not willing to be sanctified, then you're mm. going to struggle with, yeah. with children because it brings yeah. out the natural selfish tendencies that are in you. But instead, that's where the gospel comes in. And we recognize that God has given us things for our sanctification to make us more like Christ. And it isn't about us and our happiness and getting what we can from this temporal world. It's about God and his glory and, and raising up godly offspring that will go and produce Amen. godly offspring and impact the world for Christ. The other thing I thought was worth pointing out about this article was when she's talking about climate change, we increasingly see young people who don't want to have kids because of climate change. They're worried about what kind of world they're bringing their children into. They're worried about the impact their kids will have. But I also see a lot of that kind of thinking within Christians too regarding the political climate. I don't want to have kids because the world is getting so dark. How can I bring kids into a world that there maybe is religious persecution on the horizon or what's going to happen with the government and all that. The Bible does not tell us that when things are dark and things are ugly and things are scary, we should not have children. The Bible doesn't say that. We have to trust God's sovereignty and trust that if God gives us children, he loves them more than we do and he will protect them and he will use them for his purposes and for his glory um, regardless of the world around us. So I think Christians struggle with that too and we need to put our trust in Christ and put our trust in God and have children no matter how dark the world is because exactly. God will use Amen. them for, for his glory. It's also interesting too, one last thing they pointed out in the article that the people who really reported being least satisfied in parenting or having the most stress or the most struggle were typically from broken homes, single parent homes mm -hmm. or divorced homes and brokenness was involved and added to the stress and the weight of that particular family. And of course, had a happiness penalty for them, right, because of those sort of things. Mm -hmm. But families that had, that had, you know, a mother and a father and, and a good solid home with a good foundation reported the highest levels of happiness and satisfaction, though hard, still right. hard, but still it was better because that's the way God made it to be. Yeah. And Go it's figure. just, it's testimony to the fact that God made the family on purpose the way mm -hmm. he did. And it's the best thing for us to practice it according to his provision as he's outlined it in his word. And as you, if you abandon God's outline for family, for sexuality, morality, sexuality, you will see consequences, brokenness, and large happiness penalties as you abandon <laughs> that foundation. And we see it in our culture. Yeah, yeah. our culture says that the family dynamic doesn't matter at all, that kids do fine regardless of the family. And that's just simply not true. Obviously, not we true. live in a sin, cursed, and broken world, and God's ideal is not always possible. Um, you know, there's right. divorce, there's think death in the family, things like that. But that's God's design, and it's a good design. And it's not true that it just doesn't matter. That's that's a lot another lie mm -hmm. from our culture. It's, yeah, we're it's living in God's great world. We're live we're we're made in God's image, so it makes sense that we should be following God's standards the mm -hmm. way that He set yeah. things up. If we want to talk about flourishing, they talk about flourishing a lot in this article. If you want to actually have flourishing, mm -hmm. just follow the way. Just simply put, I mean, follow the way that God designed everything around us. Follow His standards. And one last thing, um, it's it's always interesting. Every time I talk to the older generation, you know, the ones that are empty nesters, they don't have kids anymore. The number one regret that they always have is they didn't have more kids. I always thought that was interesting rather mm. than they, they, they don't talk about, you know, their career. They don't talk mm. about having a bigger house or having a bigger car. They always say, I wish I had more kids. And I always thought that was interesting mm. um, as the number one takeaway from the next generation as my senior here. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> <tribute to. laughs> 
<laughs> yes, yes, in my profound wisdom and age. Yes, that's true. <laughs> All right, so getting into some science articles here. Giant ancient fish that likely preyed on humans' ancestors unearthed in South Africa. So, so first of all, that title is so much cooler yeah. than the actual so cool. article. I saw so this article cooler. and I was like, these fish, what, they're attacking people and dragging them into the water? I'm so confused. I don't no, know. The whole thing just sounds fishy, it was, Avery. It's just it's totally oh fishy. <laughs> what I have to put up with. I got to um, scale back these puns. <laughs> scale back. It's like scale back. Uh, they're not talking about human ancestors. They are talking about four-legged creatures known as tetrapods. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're talking about fish, which... Yeah, uh, and amphibians, basically, is what they're talking about. They're mm -hmm. not talking about people. It was less exciting. <laughs> yeah, not as exciting. You guys read it for yourself. I, I just basically wrote on the very top, once upon a time, about 350 yeah. million years ago, long before the dinosaurs talked the plant. I mean, it's just story after story after story. Anytime you see these kind of evolution articles, it's very important you guys separate. It's, it's something we say all the time. Separate mm -hmm. the facts from the fiction, observation from the story here. Like they say here, mm -hmm. here's the observation. The fins are mainly towards the back of the body. And then they switch to the story part. This is an ecological characteristic of a lion-weight predator. It can put on a sudden spurt, would have lurked in the dark shadows and waiting for passing things. It's one of those that consumed others. And... And, and they think all of this because of the teeth that they found, right? So sure. all of a sudden they say, okay, if we found some sharp teeth, therefore we can make this whole huge story. And they just say it as a fact, basically. They throw out all these imaginary times. They talk about, um, you know, these fish, our ancestors being fish, you know, fish to philosopher, evolution, basically say it as a fact, you know, rather than actually mm -hmm. talking about a lot of the fallible assumptions that go behind a lot of the, the, all these dating methods and how they actually know that. And so mm -hmm. that's something we say all the time, wrong assumptions leads to wrong conclusions. So all of these conclusions are based on the wrong foundation so therefore they are wrong and that's why it's so important mm -hmm. that we go back to the foundation that we look at fossils we look at the evidence you know there's no such thing as looking at the fossils and the evidence with a neutral fashion we all come to yeah. it with a certain worldview are we saying on god's word or man's word when we look at these type of interpretations and try to make sense of the past and it's interesting, interesting too. Just be aware. A lot of times they will try to reel you in, no pun intended, with real. All right. I like that one. <laughs> no pun intended. That was totally intended. It really wasn't intended. It really wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they will try to get, pull you in with that this sensational headline. Look, oh, these, yeah. these fish preyed on human ancestors. And then try to sell you a story that fits their worldview to kind of push you towards that particular ideology. So just be aware of that. Yep. Separate the fact yep. from the fiction and watch out for the salacious headlines trying to draw you into their worldview. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. All right, speaking of giant creatures, giant Jurassic era <laughs> insect discovered at this Arkansas Walmart. This, is, this was fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> historic record. Out of all the articles, I encourage you guys definitely check out this one. This one was cool. This one was pretty cool. It was, it's a good mix of science and human interest because uh, mm -hmm. Walmart's involved. Of course. <laughs> so, you can find anything and everything at Walmart. This right. story just proves it. Yeah. It's there. It's, Change the model to save money, live better, find giant super rare insects at Walmart. Yes. I yeah, so this is talking about <laughs> yes. giant lace wing, which uh, apparently used to be quite common, uh, but about 50 years ago, it pretty well disappeared in the United States. No one's really sure quite why it disappeared, but it did. And uh, anyway, uh, there was a scientist who was just going into Walmart to get his stuff, and as you do, you look at the the, the outside of Walmart as you're walking in and look for insects. And course, he happened to see this giant lace. I mean, we all do that, right? Um, so he, he saw he this is and he thought... a bug expert, this, we should yeah. say that. Like, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's this is what he, he really does. Yeah, yeah. He saw this, this insect and thought, that's a 
cool looking insect. So one. he pulled it off of the wall and then proceeded to finish his shopping while yeah. holding an insect in his yeah. fingers. Like, like what was everyone else at Walmart thinking? Like, what is that guy <laughs> That's doing? That's what you guys do, right? Yeah, just carry the bug. Just carry right a, here, a live you know? bug around with you. So anyway, then he took it home. He pinned it to a card, as you do, and uh, forgot. Basically, forgot about it. And then um, he was teaching a class while um, we were doing remote classes during COVID. Mm -hmm. And about, we should he, say he found it 2012. Yeah, so this was, so he just forgot about it. it. And yeah. Forgot about, and then 2020. Yeah, so he was doing an online Zoom class and he was using his personal insect collection um, as the specimens they were studying. And he put this one under the microscope and he's like talking about it. And all of a sudden he just stopped talking and stared at it. And he was like, wait, this isn't what I thought it was. What is this? And then live on Zoom, they started researching the, the different features on it and figured out what it was and that it was this lacewing that they thought had been, was totally extinct from this area and it hadn't been seen in this area for. For, for 50 years, so that was a pretty exciting find um, made live in, in the Zoom class. So it's kind of a cool human interest. Yeah, I don't story. know, that would just bug me <laughs> if I saw that. <laughs> I can see Rob was sitting there waiting to say uh, something, yeah, yeah. and that yeah, was that, the thing he's waiting a, to say. The I'm challenge. It's profound, it. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's go. Actually, <laughs> to me, the most fun part of the article was the humans involved in the article. Yeah, the not the finding insects. the bugs, the finding the change, the changing it, the live on the, you know. I just thought it was hilarious. Yeah, he's sitting there because he said he went to Walmart just to get some milk, found the huge insect. He's yeah. holding it the whole time while he's shopping. Right. Just like, That's just fun. Was the insect alive while he was shopping? Like, like, was it still moving or did he kill it? <laughs> like, there's not enough details here. Yeah. I want the details of the story. <laughs> but the other interesting thing is that this insect is supposedly from the Jurassic. So millions and millions and millions and millions of years ago. 150 million years ago by mm -hmm. secular estimates. And it's still recognizable as a lacewing. Um, it hasn't changed in millions and millions of, of evolution. years. I mean, it just hasn't changed. Still looks the exact same after all these millions of years. Go figure. Well, at stasis, <laughs> no change is the rule of thumb. So if you find a fossilized roach, supposedly 200 million years old, just like roaches you'll see today. Find a fossilized wasp, 40 million years old, just like a wasp you'll see today. Yep. Find a fossilized jellyfish, 400 million years old, just like jellyfish you'll find today. Stasis is the rule of thumb. And some of those creatures still alive today who look like their ancient ancestors, they're called living fossils. Mm -hmm. And so they're given that title. Actually, we got a book on that. Talking about living fossils, the grand evolutionary experiment by Dr. Carl Winter. It's a really good book dealing with this particular issue. Yeah. Lots of great evidence confirming the biblical perspective and that these things were created to be a particular way. There's no evolution, variation. Mm -hmm. Variation yes, within but, a kind, but not change between kinds. That's right. Dogs yeah. say dogs, yeah. cats, cats, et cetera, et cetera. Lace great wings reference book on that. lace wings. They that's do. Right. That's right. It's crazy. Or jump on to our website, answersingenesis.org. Spend millions of years on their website researching and all that. <laughs> All right, next one here. American <laughs> College of Cardiology study says cross-sex hormones create seven times higher risk of stroke. So this article is talking about the hormones that are very commonly given to um, young children and teenagers, um, like uh, synthetic um, testosterone, things like that, in order for boys to look more like girls and girls to look more like boys. And they found that these, far from being very safe, as parents are repeatedly told when they take their children to these gender clinics, on top of all the other side effects that we already know, like infertility, osteoporosis, all the other things we know these drugs cause, now they're saying there's a seven times the risk for a very severe stroke, six times the risk for the most serious type of heart attack, and five times the risk of pulmonary Oh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, pulmonary, I practice this, <laughs> pulmonary embolism, which is a yeah. blockage of an artery in the lung. Those are all extremely serious conditions, and these drugs create massive risks for the patients who are taking them. It's like, duh, yeah. 
And it's about I mean, the males and the females who take this particular drug. Yep. And again, as Avery said, that's along with the fact we know it weakens bones. It actually causes infertility. It stunts mm -hmm. growth, stunts brain development. That's what we just know right now after just a few short years of seeing the consequences. Who knows in five more years, 10 mm -hmm. more years, 20 more years, the consequences of in injecting our kids with these horrendous hormones to try to really go along with a pagan ideology that really just rebels against God, God's creative design. And yeah. it's all done in a of quote-unquote love and care, but this is the most unloving and brutal thing you could do, mm -hmm. especially the kids or teens. And essentially, we're having a huge social social experiment yeah. on the kids and teens of today. It's really what this is. And as we were talking backstage, I liked your response initially. Just stop injecting our kids with this stuff. Yes. Like we should just stop. That's yeah. because their consequences are horrendous, not just physically, but then also the emotional consequences mm -hmm. and then the spiritual consequences of abandoning God and his creative design. Which, mm -hmm. by the way, if you jump on YouTube, you can see this guy talk more about that. Oh, yeah. um, in one of his YouTube videos, he did a really good job talking about just the just the horrible uh, dangers of this mm -hmm. and even some of the people that regret having these kind of decisions. Mm -hmm. That's and, right. I mean, let, let's just call it what it is. This is child abuse. Let's stop abusing children with this. But um, mm -hmm. Brian also alluded it to it as well. Is I mean, the most, I mean, the real reason why we should be rejecting this is because it's rebellion against the way that yeah. God created the world. So it's no surprise that we have all these side effects because we're going against the way that God designed mm -hmm. everything. God doesn't make mistakes. Yet right. At the same time, we also live in a fallen world. So there mm -hmm. is sin. We're living in a sin-cursed and broken world. Yep. Um, but that's what makes the good news so good that Jesus Christ stepped into history. He paid the ultimate price that you can become a new creation in him when you repent and believe in Jesus Christ. So if you're mm -hmm. watching today and you are struggling with these kinds of feelings know that there is hope for you today because first corinthians chapter 6 says such were some of you you were mm -hmm. washed you were sanctified you can become a new creation in christ you can be born again and that's mm -hmm. the that's the that hope is the answer to, to, yeah the hurt and brokenness people feel the answer is the gospel it is mm -hmm. not the the lies our culture sells it is the message of the gospel Amen. and to bounce right off that let me just say this that there is something that the transgender movement and even the lgbtq movement has gotten correct and that is we are broken Right? Mm -hmm. They recognize that we're broken. Yes, we're broken, but they got the wrong source of the brokenness and the wrong answer. Yeah. As you were saying, Rob, we're broken because of sin. And dear friend, if you're struggling with this, yes, you're broken like the rest of us. We're all broken yeah. by sin. And there's one solution for any who repent and put their faith in Christ, who is the right. true answer. Are we all broken? Yes, but the answer is Christ, not drugs like this. And realize that everything mm -hmm. we're seeing in the culture right now, they're actually just symptoms of the root cause. It's a rejection of God's word. It comes down to a foundational issue. It's what we say here at our ministry time and time again. It's either mm -hmm. God's word or man's word. Where are you putting your ultimate authority into? And as Christians especially, we need to stop sacrificing the truth into the altar of niceness. Really, we want to be calling it what it is. And let's take this culture back, right? Let's continue to speak the truth and love in this culture and try to win. Win this culture back. That's what it comes down to. All right, squeeze All right. in the last, last one. one here real quick. Our, genome, uh, our genomes are full of junk DNA that could be way more important than we realized. So this evolutionists have long asserted that our DNA is full of junk that's left over from our evolutionary ancestors that we just sort of picked up along the way of evolution. It's useless, no point studying it, no point even looking at it because it's just a bunch of junk. Mm -hmm. Well, once they actually did decide to start kind of poking around and looking at it, they found that it, maybe it's actually not so much junk after all. And this is just another study that just came out confirming once again that, yeah, junk DNA actually isn't junk and it has good use. It it's might not our, be coding, but it has good usage. 
just our monthly, weekly installment of evolution rewriting their story again, you know, yeah. again and again. It's like there's no other field in science where it's like it's unfossil. Like you, there's no way to prove it wrong. You're just going to continue rewriting the story over and over mm -hmm. and over again because it's built on man's word, the shifting yeah. opinions of man's word. But what doesn't change, Brian? God's word. It's God's word. Absolutely. God's word stays. And, and that was an easy one. That's the thing is like actual observational science again and again, like we're seeing here, it confirms the Bible. It confirms mm -hmm. what God's word says here that all of this so-called junk DNA isn't really junk that God actually made it for a purpose yeah. and actually has a function. Potentially as a mutational buffer. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And we're just scratching the surface of our understanding of DNA and all that it does because it's so amazingly complex. It's a code yeah. system within a code system within a code system with multi-layers of communication. It's beyond anything that we've ever created in our lives in humanity. It's amazingly complex. And so we are trying to figure it out. But just because we don't fully understand it doesn't mean it does not have a purpose. <laughs> it doesn't mean right. it's just junk. Right. And here's the thing about it makes my perfect mind. logic, right? I don't yeah. understand it, therefore it I mean, I drive a car purpose. pretty much every day, but I don't know how cars function in detail, right? So if I were to go into a car and start looking at all the parts and try to figure out what it does. So I don't call Brian not, if your car breaks no, down. That's what he's I will saying. not help you. I will call AAA for you, right? We'll be good, all right? I'll call somebody else. But just because we don't understand the function doesn't mean it doesn't have one. And God as a perfect creator, has given a perfect function to what he's created. Even in a broken world, it still works really well. All right, as we wrap up here, I just want to run through a couple of um, resources we have here and a couple of events coming yep. up. The first one I want to mention is our women's conference. That is at the end of this month. It is coming up very quickly, March 30th. We are completely sold out for in-person, but if you want to, want to join us, we are doing a live stream, and I'm the live stream host for that. I'm super excited. Oh, I'm going to be that. doing some All exclusive right. interviews and some behind-the-scenes stuff that you don't get to see if you're in person. So for the live stream audience, we've got some cool content for you coming um, that I'm really excited about. So you can go to answersforwomen.org we're also going to have a podcast booth there as well. So if you want to come on down and talk with me, Patricia, and JJ, hang out. We'd love to have you. The uh, last thing I want to mention here is we have our Answers for Educators event, which is professional development from a biblical worldview. So if you're mm -hmm. a teacher or a school administrator, be sure to check that out. That's coming to the Ark Encounter this summer. And the last announcement is Answers News is moving to Monday. So now that the Creation Museum is going back to spring hours, Answers News is moving from Wednesdays to Monday. So you only have to wait a couple days and we'll be back. You don't have to even wait a whole week this time. <laughs> right. so we'll be back Monday at 2 p.m. So uh, mark your calendars for that. Subscribe, turn on the bell, all that good stuff. Um, and the last resource we just want to mention real quick here, because yep. um, we were talking about so many sanctity of life issues. Um, if you want to teach your children about the sanctity of life, this new resource um, from uh, Dr. Georgia Purdom and Stacia McKeever is absolutely amazing. It's called Crafted by God. Beautiful, beautiful book about the sanctity of human life. So just wanted to mention that one real quick. And that's all that we have time for today. So hopefully you'll join us on Monday uh, for the next episode of Answers News. See you guys. God bless.